Hi, Black Hollywood Live fans. Today, we're talking Chris Brown in jail, Brock Turner out of jail, and more on Justice is Served. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Lives. Justice is Served. This case about this song will not die, and we will get to the ongoing battle over this song, Blurred Lines. Feels like it was ages ago, but this was like the jam of the summer not that long ago. (laughs) We will get to that, but of course we've got to start with the very first case, uh, Chris Brown. We'll get to that, but I should probably introduce us first. That might be helpful. <laughs> my name is Chelsea Galicia. Thank you for joining me and my co-hosts, fellow attorneys, Shaka Smith and Yemi Abayami. And we are here to give you the latest and hopefully greatest in the legal news of the week. And today we're talking about the hot topic of Chris Brown, who spent a few hours in jail y- yesterday. This whole story was like a whole long thing. It took like nine hours for him to get arrested in the first place. Um, This whole event started Tuesday at like 3 a.m. at a gathering at his house where he allegedly pulled a gun on a woman and that eventually led to him being arrested uh, for alleged uh, felony uh, assault with a deadly weapon. Help me straighten this whole mess out. This woman was at his house. Yeah, Bailey Curran. Looks like she was there at, you know, just a little get-together. And, and the, I didn't understand, this whole thing started because she was admiring some jewelry? Yeah, I believe she had a jeweler that was over, and um, she may have touched the jewelry, and that may have set uh, Chris Brown off. And so, apparently, he then pulls the gun, as in, like, don't touch it. I, 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 don't, I don't know, this whole part of the story was a little bit off to me. And then she wanted to leave, and she couldn't leave because they wouldn't give her her phone unless she signed a non-disclosure agreement. Yeah. Uh, she finally does leave. Cops are called. He tosses a duffel bag out the window yeah. with a couple of guns. Weapons yeah, and, and I think drugs, drugs yeah. as well. Uh, okay, I don't. I, I understand why some people think throwing a duffel bag out of a moving car is a good idea, but I don't see how it's going to help you when you throw it out your own window. You know, I, I was wondering about that aspect of the case, but, you know, his attorney is Mark Garagos, and I feel like... and. My personal feelings. Uh, He's gotten in enough trouble that I think he would know to call his attorney. I I wonder if he was ever given advice to go ahead and chuck that duffel bag. Well, we do know that Mark Aragos, like, arrived at the house and was helping as the situation went down. I don't understand why he would choose to make that choice. Um, Boggles the mind. Yeah, absolutely. So... So, Pretty soon after, so wait, this whole, he was like held up there for like nine hours because cops couldn't just barge in, you got to get a warrant, yeah. Yeah. So during that time, Chris released a video on Instagram, which I missed it, I think it has since been taken down. Yeah, it looks like it's since been taken down. And he had some not so great words for the police, and is annoyed that whenever he feels he needs the police because of a stalker or some kind of disturbance that the police don't come, but somebody else calls the cops on him, and they come after him, and he was saying, it's not fair. Life's not fair. Okay. Uh, So eventually they get the warrant, and, you know, he is arrested... Was ended up like last night or yeah, something. Yeah, and then we find out just more things about Bailey Curran and her background coming out as well. Right, so just to wrap up the, I guess, from exactly what happened to Chris, he was uh, taken to jail, booked, and then released on bail. Yeah. And then now the attention shifts over to this woman who 
is she? Right. So she is Miss California Regional 216. She won She won the crown. She may no longer be. <laughs> well, she, yeah, formerly actually uh, Miss California Regional 2016. She won the crown. Um, and so she's a, she's a model and she participates in beauty pageants. But now her character and kind of credibility has come into question because it appears that she's wanted in New York City for a robbery as well, and so some weird story about her allegedly snatching a Louis Vuitton bag mm-hmm, and then yeah. running out of a hotel room and then getting all the contents and ditching the bag. I don't know. And then she's saying that wasn't me; that was my friend. She said it wasn't her; it was a friend that was but there. But that that's- is not the first time she has used <laughs> that- the "it wasn't me" defense. <laughs> that's her favorite line yeah. because when so I say that she's formerly Miss California twenty California Regional twenty sixteen because she actually got stripped of her crown. Um, after it came to their attention that uh, she had these nude photos, um, someone sent them in and she claimed, it's not me, it's not me, but they didn't believe her. And on top of that, she had other instances where she was missing events, um, missing the pageant event or the Miss California events, the responsibilities that she had. And you would see pictures maybe on her social media of her at other events kind of that hanging are more out fun and, and having fun. The obligation and so um, the lies and the nude photos, they said with, within two months they they, de- they decrowned her, although she apparently refused to give back the crown. Oh, all right. Yeah, well, tough, they, can take uh... my, they can take my dignity, but they shall not take my crown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay, this so tough, this does but... not look good. I mean, for at least these two stories don't look good yeah. for her credibility. There will there were a ton of people inside the house, so more people know the story. And then Shaka, you know somebody that was there who gave an interview to TMZ. Yeah, yeah. So Christian Bonilla um, gave an inter- interview at TMZ today, just because apparently he picked her up and it dropped her off. And I guess they kind of were trying to dissect her. Like mental he state. brought her to the party in yeah. the first place. Yeah. And then he left with some other girls a little bit earlier. And then apparently she had contacted, reached out to him, and then uh, reached out to one of the girls, and then found her way to him, and he went back and picked her up. Got it. And so, do have we heard from anybody else about what actually happened? Because she's going to say he pulled a gun on me. And there's a and statement he's that he's going to say yeah. she was crazy. I asked her to leave. And at some and point she he wouldn't. Did, and at some point he texted Kristen. Um, she texted Kristen Bonilla. Um, this mother effort is going to go down. So you know whether or not that statement of anger indicates that there was a gun pulled or that maybe she meant I'm going to make up a story. You know, there's just not enough details right now, enough facts to figure out what actually took place. Okay, but these are some serious charges, and so I'm I'm sure we'll be, we'll at, find out yeah. about this soon enough. Right. I mean, a felony assault with a deadly weapon, you're you're facing jail time yeah, if that's true. Certainly, but just looking at both parties, I'd say equal <laughs> either story is equally plausible. Yeah, I I don't know, but I'm sure that we're going to hear more about this pretty soon, if not because, well, I don't know if he's going to listen to Mark Aragos, who I'm sure has said, stay the hell off of social media when it comes to this yeah. case. Um, we but shall he, see. He at the very least had finished probation, I believe it was last year. So Ah, that's a good point. So yeah. there is no, like, he, this is going to trigger something else that was going yeah. on. He so, was working from a clean slate. Yeah. All right, well, that's a lucky one for him. Yeah. All right, um, moving on to Taylor Swift. We never talked about her on this show. She doesn't uh, give us too much legal juice to talk about, but she was uh, on a jury or going to be on a jury this week, and the judge dismissed her. She wasn't uh, 
fit to serve <laughs> on this jury. What about her made her unfit to serve on the jury? So she was being a good citizen, fulfilling her uh, civic duty, but it turns out that this was a, a rape case uh, involving a man who penetrated a woman with a broom. Um, and so she disclosed to the judge that she doesn't know that she can be impartial in this case, that she herself is going through um, a case in Colorado um, because they, uh, in the situation there was a, a DJ or a fan at her had come backstage and given her a hug during a photo, but also allegedly groped her and you know grabbed her butt, maybe flipped up her skirt as well. And so she has that case ongoing in in Colorado and felt that she couldn't be uh, unbiased or impartial in assessing this case. Do you think that that's really true, or do you <laughs> think somebody should be able to? Impartial. I mean, it's not this, you know, your same story. It's another set of people, another set of facts. Well, let's just say it's not every day you're happy you're being sued. And I think she probably was happy that she has a lawsuit pending to avoid jury duty. Um, I, I don't think it would have impacted yeah. her uh, impartiality. I think it could have impacted it. If I know that I've been the victim of a sexual assault myself and I see... It, and I see, you know, someone else who potentially was like it, it might, well, it might, it might lead me to be a bit more sympathetic well, to the alleged well, victim. Well, let's let's outline quickly though. So she she's being sued in the in the um, the other the other lawsuit. Apparently. She counters. She, counter, yeah. she she was being sued because he the DJ lost his job after the reports yeah. of this came out, and then she countersued. So I it, it to me this is more of a case of. The job loss, rather than mm-hmm. rather than sexual assault, her her case. Um, so, to me, the two cases aren't similar. And I think if you're talking about a woman having been touched inappropriately at any point in time in their life, then what, we strike every woman from jury duty on those kind of cases. Um, so I, I don't think she had a had a, a reason to not be um, impartial, but. Uh, somebody apparently I know Yemi's bursting at the seams to say something please no I was just going to say yes I agree that it's it's based on two different cases yeah. but at the center of the case is the fact that he lost his job because of the groping because of the, the sexual assault and I could see how someone very much intertwined in that could 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 bring that into her her judgment and her perception of the proceedings as well. Um, this is a little bit of a stretch, but what if Taylor Swift didn't want to be associated with being on a jury where they found a man not guilty of some kind of assault because she's such a like a, a, a hero, an ally to all women? It would not look good for her persona to be a juror oh, yeah, on a case yeah. where a guy got off for. A, a heinous-sounding crime. Yeah, I think there's so many negatives for any big star being, being on a jury that they'll avoid it at all costs. Right. Well, speaking of jury duty, if I am not here next week, it is because I was selected for a jury. <laughs> so I got to start calling in Monday night, and uh, we shall find out. So if you see me here, I probably didn't get picked, or they didn't even ask me to come in. So well, We applaud you on fulfilling your civic duty. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let me now bring us a word from uh, our sponsor, General Assembly. Please take it away. Yummy. Are you looking for a career in tech? Sometimes. I mean, (laughs) technology is really important to everything that we do here. Um, Maybe business, data, design, or marketing. Trying to get that promotion or raise. Who isn't? (laughs) (laughs) To excel in your career, you need 21st century training and skills. 
General Assembly is the largest and most respected school worldwide for people seeking to grow their talents and master the marketplace, which of course is important in any industry. Absolutely. Whether it's learning remotely online or in person at one of their beautiful campuses, you can join the 350,000 people who have already gotten the training needed to propel careers in tech and business. And it's great that they give you both options, in person or online. More than 2,500 companies worldwide hire General Assembly's graduates, with 99% of graduates who participate in General Assembly's career services landing a new role in a field within six months of starting their job search. Right, that's my favorite stat. That's, that's an important that's, stat. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> Take control of your talent and career now. Find out more at G- generalassembly.co slash geek, G-E-E-K. That's generalassembly.co C-O slash geek, G-E-E-K. Enter the promo code geek to save on your first class workshop or event. All right. Great. Thank you, Yummy, and thank you, General Assembly. We'll move on now to the really tragic case of uh, Dwayne Wade's cousin being shot and killed days ago. He announced via Twitter, my cousin was killed today in Chicago He said it's another act of senseless gun violence. Four kids lost their mom for no reason. Unreal. Hashtag enough is enough. Uh, And and this is true. This is part of a very serious homicide wave in Chicago. I saw that so far this year, 487 homicides in Chicago More than 2,800 people shot so far this year. And if we compare that to last year, the totals for last year were 491. We're already at 487 in terms of homicides. And then in terms of people shot, last year was 2,988. And we're already this year at 2,800. So something very serious is going on here. And it um, uh, uh, hit very close to home for Dwayne Wade. And got pulled into the political conversation when Donald Trump sent out a tweet saying, this is why African Americans are going to vote for me, but I shall leave the rest of my commentary on that for the, my other show, which is Trump versus Hillary, Tuesday nights on After Buzz TV. Yes, yes. And, uh, and say that, I mean, at the very least, there's a small bit of good news because um, there have been arrests made in this case. Uh, two brothers that were on parole, uh, Darwin Sorrells and Darren Sorrells. They're 26 and 22 years old. What do we know about them? Well, as you mentioned, they were on parole. One was on parole for a previous gun charge, um, and then the other was on parole for um, not a gun-related charge, but they were both felons, and they were bo- one even had a, an ankle bracelet that they were still wearing. And apparently they... Either got into an altercation. It's not clear whether this guy was like an Uber driver dropping off a woman in the neighborhood or another individual in the street who allegedly maybe they gave a a bad look or a stare and then um, unfortunately stray bullets hit uh, Dwayne Wade's cousin, Nakia Nakia Aldridge. Aldridge, Um, So it sparked a lot of conversation. As you mentioned, there's some really crazy stats about the number of shootings and the number of deaths. I think just last weekend, maybe like 86 shootings and 11 people killed in a weekend from Friday to Monday in Chicago. So it's obviously raised um, the profile of that even further. 
Yeah, so they were arrested for first-degree murder and first-degree attempted murder. Um, and one of them was also charged with a criminal trespass, which is a misdemeanor. So, you know, if these were the guys, we don't know anything else about, you know, eyewitnesses or I don't understand. I don't know that anybody else was with Nikia Aldridge at the time besides her um, three-week-old baby that she was pushing in a stroller who was unharmed, um, any witnesses. So I didn't see anything really about the case against these guys and what their um, involvement was, um, any statements from them or any... Right. I haven't seen anything like that. I did read that um, some lawmakers in Chicago are at least looking to pass a law that would allow judges to impose harsher sentences for repeat uh, repeat gun offenders um, so that they can have a little bit more discretion in terms of how, how long they sentence them so that people aren't really out on the streets. So one of, I think it was Darwin, um, he had been released early. He had been uh, in jail in 2013 and maybe had a six-year sentence, but was released early uh, in 2016, and uh, and oh, this man. is what comes of it. And this is also really sad. I read that uh, Nakia Aldridge's mother, this is her second child that's died due to gun violence. Um, so excruciatingly uh, heartbreaking for this for this family and for the city, and uh, I think for us as a nation, we, I, I mean, this isn't a show about you know solutions to problems like this, but um, I encourage us to each have those sort of amongst our friends and and families, and to have this be a national conversation because you know at the very least we couldn't save this woman, but we can try and um, prevent her death from being in vain and. If that means changing gun laws, I mean, it'll be very interesting if um, it, it's been very difficult to pass any kind of gun legislation. So I don't know if it will be different in Chicago because of their situation. But I am sure we'll hear much more about it because this is political hot season, obviously. Okay, and so now let's get to that Blurred Lines story. So let me do a bit of a, a backstory. We haven't talked about this case in like over a year um, on this show. And this was about that song, Blurred Lines, that we played, played at the beginning. It was Pharrell and Robin Thicke and T.I. And back in, um, gosh, just a... There was a, a strange way how this lawsuit came about. It was actually Robin Thicke and uh, T.I. and Pharrell su- sort of suing defensively to proclaim, to get it announced that their song had not ripped off Marvin Gaye's 1977 hit, Got to Give It Up. And then it went to trial, and in... Um, Early last year, a California federal jury awarded $7.4 million to the family of Marvin Gaye for infringing on the copyrights to it. Uh, Some people were really shocked and surprised. From hearing the songs, I wasn't that surprised. And we'll hear uh, uh, some of it now. We'll hear um, the songs of somebody kind of blended them together so that it jumps back and forth Mm -hmm. between the two songs so that you can hear it Uh, so let's play that when we can so this is Blurred Lines Mm -hmm. 
and any second now it's gonna switch <laughs> to the other song. I mean, even when I first heard this song years ago, I thought of the Marvin Gaye song. I don't know if anybody actually. I I didn't. I, I thought heard. of the Aaliyah song. Wait, we, we got the switch. Yeah. So now this has got to give it up. So it definitely has little cowbells going on in the background, uh, some bass guitar you can hear. But is this an actual is this harmonic chords that match up, or is it just a vibe? It, is it just a vibe? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the big discussion. That's the big discussion that's present in this amicus brief. Is it really a melody that has been stolen? Or sorry, I shouldn't say stolen. Yeah. <laughs> is it a melody, a melody that's been infringed or copied? Or is it more of a vibe in a in a feeling in a groove that sounds similar? And 212 artists decided that it was indeed just a vibe or a groove. Well, it's, it's, I mean, but it's in their self-interest to try and get this case. Overthrown on the field. goes both Why? ways because, yeah. on one sense, in one sense, as an artist, you do want to be protected. You don't want other people to have free reign with your music and just be able to lift copy music, it and yeah, yeah and, and lift your your yeah. work. But on the other hand, you too, as an artist, you know that you are influenced by other the artists world. that have yeah. come before you. Yeah. And, you know, the Amicus Brief made an interesting case talking about how there's only 12. Uh, 12 notes in an octave and only so many chords within that octave that actually sound good sonically. So you're actually operating from a really, really small universe of chords and sounds that can actually be pleasing to the to the ear, that can actually, you know, lead to a pop song. So you're so inevitably there's gonna be a lot of similarity. There's going to be um, something that maybe for some it says, Oh yeah, this song sounds exactly alike. And um, that's just it's just a natural occurrence. It's not the same as T V or film where you have such a large universe of storylines um, and takes on it. And these artists said that they these artists claim that there's no similar melodies and there's no there's not even a similar melodic phrase. Um, and then we had ten musicologists do another amicus brief, and in that they found there was no harmonic similarity. So the judge in the original case had allowed the jury to hear a stripped-down version of uh, Marvin Gaye's song, and that's because the Gaye family only had rights to the music composition, not a lot of the other bells and whistles that belonged to the song. Uh, and even after hearing that stripped-down version, up next to Blurred Lines... Uh, they found in favor of the gay family. They determined that the song had made more than $16 million in profits, so the $7.4 million included money for the copyright infringement and uh, for parts of the of the profits. And, of course, this is being appealed because this is uh, a lot of money and a very large like ramification for the whole industry. If there is this so-called chilling effect, which is where you don't, want a, a, a certain verdict to come down a certain way because then it'll... Stifle creativity. Exactly. So, uh, I don't know. I can see sort of both did... ways on the, or hear both ways uh -huh. on this, <laughs> if I want to be more I, correct. I think artists are notoriously they are protective of their work. So the fact that 212 musicians, including Train, Linkin Park, Earth, Wind & Fire... I mean, yeah, Fall it was a very Boy, interesting lineup mix, of people. Right? Jennifer Hudson I saw in yeah. there. Tears for Fears. Hey, the yeah. 80s are coming back. So Wait, Earth, Wind & Fire. So especially for those older acts, they have a vested interest in really protecting some of their iconic works. And if they're saying, look, these two are not similar enough that this goes too far, I think that will um, speak volumes to, to the judge in this case, so the judges. Were there anything, was there anything in the brief that you saw that was a particularly strong argument? 
Like they say that, first of all, this never should have gone to trial. It should have been tossed um, uh, at the very beginning stages before trial on summary judgment. Um, well, the musicologist, you know, the 10 musicologists, you know, people that really are experts at the study of music say there are no harmonic similarities in the chord progression. But there were musicologists that testified at trial who did say they were, so it's there, kind of like a there battle is of definitely, the yeah. Well, there is definitely yeah. a, a mix of opinion in terms of how similar it was and what was barred and what wasn't, or, you know, reasonable minds could disagree, essentially. What was unique about this case also was that it was decided by a jury, whereas in a lot of copyright cases... You might not use a jury because it the language of music is very, very distinct and it's unique. Technical. And Technical, yeah. yeah, and it involves a certain level of knowledge that you just have to have in order to understand the nuances between the sounds and the chords yeah. and, and what's being taken and what's not. So it's unusual because if, if I'm talking about a film and whether there's copying or similarity there, that's kind of common common language to us. We can assess the characters, we can assess the plot, we can assess the themes that are present. But whether in the, Two songs give you that vibe. Music is very different. Technically similar. Music is very yeah. different, and so the fact that it was even decided by a jury was a very uh, interesting um, aspect to it. Um, and then you have the, the the musicologists differing, and so with that, it almost it makes it more difficult, I think, for it to not survive summary judgment because there are these two different these two different sides reaching two different technical experts reaching different conclusions. Um, one thing that I thought was an interesting point that the um, that the artist brought up was that not even EMI, which was Marvin Gaye's publisher, which in the publishers are really charged with protecting the copyright and making sure that people aren't infringing it. They sought out musicologists and experts as well and concluded that um, th- that the songs weren't infringing. And so you have even Marvin Gaye's pu- own publisher saying that, you know, we don't agree with this and we don't think it's a copyright infringement. And I think what the uh, effect of that is is that if even a publisher and their music, um, musical specialists and experts don't think that something is an infringement, then what about, you know, the the lone musician who is now creating this music? How is that person supposed to know that it was an infringement? Because in this case, how would T.I. and Pharrell and uh, Robin Thicke have known that this could potentially be an infringing act if even EMI's experts... Well, they, they, they might know if they actually were, you know, listening to the song and you know creating it as well, they were listening. But and so and that was another <laughs> another issue in the in the case because I think when either I think when Pharrell was being interviewed or Robin Thicke was being interviewed, they admitted that yes, Ro, um, Marvin Gaye is an influence and was that the inspiration for the song? An inspiration, and it was hearkening these sounds. And you know, we talk about the chilling effect on creativity, mm-hmm. and I wonder if it's also going to lead to a chilling effect on just even acknowledging. Um, you know, those who came before you or, you know, who you were inspired by. You don't want to tell people because you don't want to give them an idea of who you may have borrowed music from (laughs) or people might compare it to. And and then that person who, you know, you drew inspiration from might say, oh, okay, well, here's an opportunity for me to... To, to me, the list of of people and the sheer number of artists who uh, were a part of this brief was the more impressive part. Because when I looked at the arguments themselves, I wasn't that swayed by them. The arguments are for, are, are things like. Uh, the one that you just mentioned about Marvin Gaye's own publisher, which was the strongest one for me, but the other ones um, are like, you know, all music is inspired by other music. 
And um, copyright law should protect original music without stifling creativity. And copyright law should not inhibit songwriters from celebrating their influences. Those are all arguments that you might make to a legislature taking up the issue of how to phrase or how to compose copyright law. Not something you would send to the court about well, the case, a specific case. Well, I, 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 think I think that was a, the only way you could get across this message because I think the important part here for them is saying, yes, there's a similar vibe, and that similar vibe led the jury to make this mistake. They, should, they shouldn't have But been. is that really what an appeal is about? An appeal is about something in the, in the, in the procedure of the case went wrong. And this is don't this is don't don't stick with that verdict because it's going to be bad for us that's not really what an appeal is well, all about but this yeah. is again but this is the amicus brief so it's not the appeal itself but they clearly are using this as an opportunity to you know sway the judge and, and really have whoever reviews it look at the potential impact that a ruling like this is going to have. And I actually think it's fair to cite that, um, you know, musicians are influenced by others. Because I think even in the copyright code, it states that, yes, we want to protect individual expression, but we also don't want to control... Control, um, you know, others' expression so much that you can't that you can't build off of it and create even more art. I mean, really, the the ultimate goal is the arts, which is valued and which is why we have um, copyright law and you know copyright protection. But I did think it was a fair argument that they talked about the need for the need for there to be some sort of a line where you can determine what is what is crossing the line into copying and, expression versus what is just and that's where it hit the procedural the vibe issue. And, because the only way to prove the procedural issue was to prove why you got it wrong and you got it wrong because you looked at the vibe and let it proceed procedurally when it, when the vibe is not what you should have been using all right well we'll see if this has any influence and now, uh, wow, we're we're getting we're moving and grooving, moving through things really quickly. Mm-hmm. Let's turn now to America's favorite promising college athlete. <laughs> Read in there some sarcasm if you couldn't hear mm-hmm. it. Uh, I'm talking about Stanford swimmer or former Stanford swimmer Brock Turner. It seems like just weeks ago we were talking about how he was convicted of sexually assaulting an unconscious woman and we were appalled at the fact that he was only being given six months. It pretty much was weeks ago, really. It's yeah, it really was. Yeah, yeah actually, yeah. maybe I'm not so off. It has actually only been three months and he is about to get out in about 48 hours. Yeah. By Friday, he will be out Three months. Uh, how did he get half of what he was originally sentenced to when that was extraordinarily light? Yeah, it's it's funny because remember the prosecutors recommended, I think six years. Six the years. Maximum. The yeah. maximum was fourteen, but yeah. the prosecutors recommended six years, and then of course the judge uh, only gave him six months. And instead of set serving six months, it only ended up being about three, just because of credits that he accumulated yeah. for like good. He behavior. went into jail before mm-hmm. he was convicted, so he was arrested on January eighteenth, two thousand fifteen, and then he was convicted in March. So there was some time spent there, which he gets credit for, and then he got well, credit, credit for his behavior, good behavior. Yeah. Um, so that I, I, I. I wonder what this guy's life is going to be like when he gets out. I mean, I'm sure he's not going to go near social... He does have to register as a sex offender. 
Um, I'm sure he wants to stay miles and miles away from social media or, or anything because uh, this country really does not like him at all, um, <laughs> or his dad, for that matter, who was like, why should you judge him for, what was it, like... 20 minutes yeah. of action. Yeah, <laughs> when he has, like, 20 years of, or not even, right, because yeah. he's, like, a 19, 20-year-old kid, I don't know. Um, just crazy. But a couple of um, good things have come of this. First, people were really pissed at the judge, Judge Persky, and so there were... There thousands, hundreds of thousands of people signing a petition to have him be fired and he on his own ended up requesting a transfer from the criminal courts to the civil courts and so now he can only be damaging with people's money mm-hmm. uh, in, in the civil arena and uh, California lawmakers have come up with a new law that would close a loophole and this is headed to uh, Governor Jerry Brown's desk for hopefully signature and this is about closing the loophole about the fact that the woman was unconscious and for some reason in California law it's apparently the under the eyes of the law it's not as bad if you <laughs> assault somebody who's unconscious during the time and this law would fix that and give Uh, a minimum time would have given Brock Turner a minimum amount of uh, jail time for three years. Does this like make sense to you? Like this, this should pass, this should be signed or? Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's a great development. I was really, really surprised to even find that there was this type of a loophole where uh, you go to prison. Yes, you can go to, you go to prison for rape or sexual assault with force, but with respect to, um, penetrating an unconscious person or penetrating an intoxicated person, um, there is no there is no mandate of because there a, was no force needed time and yeah. and the, 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 that that force element was the only thing that made it worse. When sometimes it's worse when there's not force used because they were either unconscious or in some cases maybe the rapist made the person unconscious. And apparently, and also apparently, penile penetration was a part of it as well. The fact that it wasn't a penile penetration made it not different. Yes, but I, I mean, as as a woman, it's like psychologically um, harmful. Whether it was a person or an object, you still feel violated. I I would imagine. I have not had that experience, so I guess I can't exactly say. But what I'm guessing, just as a woman, how I would feel, it doesn't matter what. I'm just not sure about the mandatory time. Um, Personally, I felt that those situations where it's um, an unconscious situation, that that maybe might fall into a a larger gray area. And I think if you know that you're going to be giving mandatory time by calling someone, um, finding someone guilty... I think you might actually be less likely to find them guilty in the more gray area cases. I see what you're saying. So you'll, you think some juries might be less inclined to less find, inclined to find, find yeah. guilt? Yeah, because they know that automatically this means years. Yes, because but, I mean, but if, if they're guilty, why would that, why would they be hesitant to? Because if the situation, because I'm seeing the the more gray area situations of sort of there may have been consent prior to unconsciousness or they were both out of it and they both didn't know what was happening. The, some more gray area cases, I feel like they're going to be less likely, and the person is still in the wrong, 
I think they're going to be less likely to find guilt if it means mandatory time. I think it's still it's still a beyond a reasonable doubt standard. So if I if I make it past the reasonable doubt standard where there is no doubt, then I'm going to be very confident in saying yes, you're guilty, and yeah, you got to pay the penalty. Yeah, I don't know. I'm generally not a fan of these mandatory minimums. Yeah. We're seeing across the country that they're yeah. being sort of undone because it's been found to be very harmful, and we do like it when there's some leeway and some yeah. you have to weigh the facts of a specific case the problem is when you have a judge like this guy who just went so off his rocker then you feel that you've got to put in mandatory minimums otherwise yeah what do you i I would love to see the rate before this judge because then that's like a knee-jerk reaction for me and i think we should never be operating on a knee-jerk reaction especially when it comes to like this is a pretty big deal in terms of you know who it may be affecting i mean unless i mean maybe the better solution would have been that the there can be an appeal of the uh, length of prison time, and another judge can review that, and maybe having another yeah, I think set there are of, different solutions they could have gotten at that would not have included sort of mandatory minimums. But at the end of the day, so I think people yes, the, there could be a question of what is the appropriate minimum, if whether it should be a mandatory minimum. But I do think it is important that they close that loophole that made that distinction between. Um, you know, assaulting someone or raping someone who's unconscious versus raping someone who who is conscious. There, there really but should not be. Force, yes. There shouldn't be a difference. I, well, I in terms are, of, I think there's absolutely a difference in reliability of story, reliability of timeline of someone's unconscious versus someone who's conscious. I think there is a difference between between just the two scenarios. Not, yeah, so, not which is why you, yeah. still, but, but that's why yeah. you still have to meet the burden of proof. I, I think that's why you have that distinction. But that—that's why you think it happened in the first place. Yeah, I think because those two scenarios, the reliability of the information. Yeah. So, but what about in this case? So she was unconscious, but medical doctor found that she had been. In this particular case, the mandatory minimum would have been great. You know, we would have wanted to see him. You know, but I just worry about the uh, the larger gray area of cases. But maybe that actually kind of goes to your point. If there is, you're only if one person is unconscious and there's there doesn't happen to be a witness. Really, there's going to be only one side of testimony that's from the defendant, and then yeah. yes, maybe you have. Um, physical evidence, but maybe that helps your point in that maybe people are going to be less likely to even be convicted in the first place because you're really only hearing from the alleged perpetrator then himself. I, then I also see the so gray, those could offset one another. I just see the gray... It, I mean, we have to look at what the man, what's going to happen. I see the gray area of cases of people saying, well, he's in the wrong, but it wasn't that wrong. So now It's not three and, years wrong. Yeah, exactly, and I think people do take that into account. And so it might convict yeah. less often. Do we well, know, know with... Um, with other with the other rape cases that were not inside of, that were not a part of this loophole, was there also a mandatory minimum with those cases, the rape cases and sexual assault? Not that forced? I know of. Okay. Not that I know. The mandatory minimums have been used a lot in these drug cases, yeah. and I can distinguish here. I, I I'm more okay with uh, mandatory minimums in rape cases or violent crime cases. Drug cases, you know. Not at all, but that's where they became very popular, isn't in terms of drugs. 
All right. Well, thank you so much, Yemi and Shaka, for another week of riveting legal discussion. And thank you for joining us. Please be sure to join us next week, although I may or may not be here, depending <laughs> on what the courts say about my own fitness to serve on a jury. Uh, hopefully, I will be back with you all next week for another episode of Justice is Served. Please don't forget to like, comment, rate, and reach out to us, me at Chelsea Galicia on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find me at Shaka Strong on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. And you can find me at Ayemyems on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks, everyone. See you next time. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us, info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio, Instagram, at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.